Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Friday Night Man in the Black Suit podcast. Uh, we hope everybody is having a good week, and uh, hope for those listening out in the ether, enjoy. We'll be going over chapters 24 through 27, and how are you, Leslie? I'm doing well tonight, Pam. It's a wonderful Friday evening here on the East Coast of the United States. I can't believe the week we've had. It has been nonstop. Mm-hmm. I think it's that time of time of year. And uh, I'm just glad we had a chance to get together for a little worldwide uh, overview of the last couple chapters we've had um, in September. Yes. You know, it, it's it's fun to go all through these again because sometimes you miss something and sometimes you like, oh. <laughs> I know. And sometimes you just want to relive the scene, right? <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Especially the last two chapters of this book. <laughs> I know. I know. It's starting to get even better, ladies and it gentlemen. Is, it is. It is. Well, before we dig in, I know you have the uh, the the weekly announcements, and there's lots of good things going on in the SR community. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to hearing uh, the latest and greatest. Well, I spoke with Betty yesterday. The Gabriel's Inferno Pod Fan Podcast will be coming back. Um, they just haven't decided on a date yet. Uh, Betty's been pretty tied up with the blessednesses i love it <laughs> i love it i i know she's i know she's enjoying her time with uh with her family and with them but i can't wait to hear her and uh, purling again uh, they're so much fun to listen to they're they're inspirational for fan podcasters at absolutely. least for me absolutely uh, Trilogia de Gabriel is Saturdays at 3 p.m. Mexico time. Uh, Noise Influencia, keep a lookout for Andarda and Samia for when they come back. Uh, Noches Influencia is back. They are doing the, uh, the Prince, and I believe next week they will be doing Chapter 2. They're on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. SR's writing, Gabriel 4 is coming along. Uh, the Muse has been speaking. And uh, thank God 
you know, Richard and Gabriel have given up the cigars and the whiskey and are off the porch. (laughs) Wherever have they gone, Pam? Uh, That I don't, I can't say. Nobody, oh my gosh! has not told me. I am so excited he's writing this book. Yes. You yes. know, there's so many exciting things going on with uh, his writing and his his work that, mm-hmm. you know, and especially with passion flicks. I know we haven't talked about that today yet, but I, if you really stop and think about it, this is really pretty incredible and pretty exciting because I don't know if any of us thought he was really going to do another Gabriel book. So I had hoped and hoped and hoped. And the fact that he is working on it is very exciting to me. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it myself. Um, speaking of passion flicks, um, yes. there was a little birdie in a chat room, or a little fox, and also <laughs> in an interview with an Italian blog site, which you can find on his uh, SRF. Fox, SR's Fox Den on Facebook, uh, that they are in pre-production and the script is being worked on as we talk. So exciting. That's exciting. Oh my gosh. So they're it's hoping, getting to be real. I know. So they're hoping to be filming about, I think, this time next year. Um, also, SR will be doing a chat uh, for the third anniversary of the Garden of Reden, 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 mm-hmm. and uh, be on this September twenty seventh, and it, it is from three thirty till three forty five in the afternoon. Uh, look at, at for SR to announce the link. He said um, he's chatted with them before, so if you've joined them, I'm sure you'll you know you won't have a problem. So. Yeah, so that's the exciting news. Very, very happy to hear that. Lots of good things going on. Many good things. Mm -hmm. SR always says good things are coming. That's true. And I I also heard that the uh, Florentine series has been translated into Italian uh, but I'm not sure when the release is happening. So. Uh, oh my gosh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's so fitting that those books are going to be in Italian, right? I mean, oh yeah. I might, you know what? I might have to. I have a friend who's Venetian, mm-hmm. who lives in West Virginia. I know. Just think about that juxtaposition. <laughs> she she lived her early years in Venice and now is in West Virginia. There's, you know, just some dichotomy there between the water and being on in the mountains. Um, but that might be some, I might, I might have to get her the Florentine series in Italian. I think that would be great. Yeah. So he does just doesn't know when the publisher's putting it out. We do know that, or he, we should, we, I, I do know from the reading in the in the blog post that the prints will be coming out first. So, oh, very good. So I'm not sure where all that happens. So. Very cool. Very yes. cool indeed. So. so. Shall we get started? I think so because there are some good chapters in this. There are. 
I mean, we start at chapter 24, and as, uh, as we begin the chapter, you might recall that the uh, 23 ends after Acacia had taken a moonlit swim. Nicholas had brought her a towel and was, uh, shall we say, appreciating her in, uh, <laughs> in the swimming attire, which, uh, in her swimming attire, which was her matching black underwear. Um, her bra and her thong, uh, and he had walked her to the stairs and had said good night to her. So this is uh, where we left off. And uh, the next morning, uh, as chapter 24 opens, Acacia joined Nicholas for breakfast on the terrace, and he mentioned to her that he has to go to Greece the next day, which is, of course, when I get so excited because I love all things Greece and want to go to Greece every day. Um, and that's not an understatement. I think about going there every day. And uh, he said to her that he wanted her to accompany him. And uh, Acacia was not completely trustful of Nicholas at this point and um, was very hesitant about that uh, prospect. She told him she'd go to Paris. And Nicholas reminded her that, you know, your apartment's still not inhabitable um plus you have people who were who had attacked you that are still on the loose in paris um and she said no i need to go i need to find a job i could stay with friends and you know that reminded her of marcel's journal and uh she had asked nicholas if he was able to make any progress um figuring out marcel's shorthand in the journal um, Nicholas said he had his people looking at it to see what they could decipher if there were any clues to exactly what Marcel had in that book and perhaps why he was attacked. Um, and he said, you know, look, if you, if you want to stay at the house here, you can. But he really wanted her to accompany him because she, he needed her help. Um, he offered her the job as his executive assistant through K KLH. Um, the trip would only be a few days. Um, it would give her an idea of what he does. Um, and he said, besides, you know, this it would look much better for you to leave um, for another job than from getting fired from the Victoire directly and then having to look for a job. Um, I mean, and he made this offer very appealing. She'd be well paid. There's benefits. They would, of course, have separate accommodations. She could explore the area they were in um, in downtime. And Acacia was intrigued by this invitation. Um, she was enjoying her surroundings um, and the beautiful setting of Nicholas's uh, parents' home. She loved the mountains. She loved the clouds. And she loved the, the whole peaceful setting. Um, and as she, as they were enjoying the breakfast, and he, she's watching Nicholas eating his brioche with butter and apricot jam, uh, she really was kind of mulling over the prospect. She knew she needed a long-term term position because she needed to support her mother in Brazil. And you know, Nicholas, you know, was just explaining. Look, my current executive assistant. Um, cannot travel with me. She's having a difficult pregnancy. Um, and Acacia would be perfect to step in um, and fill her shoes for at least a year um, while uh, 
while his current assistant was unavailable. Uh, Cassia wasn't sure about this because she didn't think that they could work well together. She was also worried about the apartment in Paris. Um, there's a lot of damage all throughout the apartment. And Nicholas told her that after breakfast, she could speak with the contractor. I think he wanted to put her mind at ease. Nicholas also reminded her that she told him that he, he needed some new friends. And he asks her, he says, won't you be my friend, Acacia? And, you know, again, she still has that level of mistrust. mistrust. She questioned the friendship. You know, is, are you this friendly with your other, you know, with your current executive assistant? And he said, yes. In fact, he was going to be godfather to her baby. I'd like to have a mess like that. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, and Acacia was thinking more about it and, you know, realizing he had helped her with the apartment. And he had whisked her away to safety. So perhaps, you know, he may not have been as, you know, troubled, perhaps, as uh, he may have appeared to be. So she thought more about it. And she said she would agree, but only on a trial basis. She'd sign the contract, and if all went well, she would continue. But she really insisted that she did not want to be paid. And Nicholas vehemently disagreed with that. He said, um, you needed to be paid. And they kind of had that disagreement. But he said, look, you, can, you need to go shopping with Juliet. Uh, he has good shops with a credit line at several of the stores. Um, Juliet can show her exactly uh, the shops and help her uh, get the order together. Um, he, she needed to have uh, business attire and appropriate attire for traveling to Greece. He mentioned that they were going to Santorini, so make sure she brought some athletic wear as they may be going to the beach. And, uh, you know, she, she kind of questioned that, I think, and Nicholas said that you know, he has to have a certain impression. So that's why, you know, he wanted her to have the clothes. And she asked if there was a place, you know, she, as she's absorbing all this, she said, is there a place that she could work out um, during the day um, after they finish breakfast? And uh, she tries to work out every day. So Nicholas said, yes, I'm, I, we, I have a place that you can, uh, there's a great room here that you can use and Juliet would show her where it is. He had to be her a Jew because he was heading to Zurich and uh, wouldn't be back from his uh, work appointments until very late. Then they would leave immediately in the morning. So that's where we end at chapter 24. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Acacia, I think, was kind of surprised at herself for agreeing but i think it really in the end was kind of her best her best option yeah i mean she, i don't think she had a lot uh it's obviously when if she went back to paris she was going to get fired from the victoire and exactly you know she wouldn't have been able to to get any a decent job anyway and it would put her everything in jeopardy for for her, her you know thing for that you live in in the eu 
So exactly, exactly. So I see Lori's on. Hello, Hi, Lori. Lori. So happy that you were able to join us on this lovely Friday. Thank goodness we made it. <laughs> TGIF. So true. So true. So grateful uh, a, that we. It was a <laughs> interesting week for everybody. Yes, yes, it definitely was. And I'm, I'm just grateful that we've had the chance um, really to get together. And, um, you know, I, I did want to say um, we were just going over Chapter 24. Lord. And uh, we mentioned, uh, you know, we did ask SR a couple of questions about Chapter 24, one of which was... Um, you know, did he do research um, exploring the Latin Quarter and the Sorbonne? Um, because there was some reference to that in the chapter. And he said, yes, in fact, he did a lot of research in Paris before writing this book. He wandered around quite a bit taking notes and photos. And um, so that was, you know, one of one of the... Uh, you know, I really the, wish he would share some of those photos. He does, you know, he doesn't have to put him out in his, you know, real life persona. He can still put them out as SR. He, you know, he suggested to me when I went to Paris on where Acacia lived. And they, in one of our photos that I have pinned on our Twitter feed, was a cafe that is directly across the street from the apartment that, Acacia lived in and SR was the one that told me that yep that's that's the building so, right exactly you know, um, it would be very cool mm -hmm. It'd be very very cool to have that sense um, one one of the other things uh, you know we had asked him about this chapter was um, you know, why did Acacia initially resist the job offer? Um, and he said, for Acacia and her work, she's just not sure she should trust Nicholas. He's already lied to her about his identity, and she's not sure how deep the subterfuge goes. As well, she's concerned about becoming beholden to him. But she's attracted to him, certainly, and her stay at his parents' home certainly is a turning point for her. Which obviously you can you can kind of see their relationship uh, evolving um, in this um, in this time. So very very cool as we uh, contemplate chapter twenty four, and uh, as we head into chapter twenty five, um, there's definitely uh, you know Acacia when as when Nicholas was saying that he was uh, going to be heading out um, to for the business. Um, she did have a little bit of his business meetings in Zurich. Um, you know, she even had a little bit of a pang of thinking that, oh, she's going to kind of miss having him around. And yeah. I, I just, I love the way that the relationship evolves in, uh, in this in this period and, it's and really great 
Lori's even saying you gain trust through observing the family dynamic. Yes, absolutely. And and she also said that would be fun research. That would be wonderful if he would share photos. I, I agree, Lori. That would be great. We might have to, maybe we can ask him if he'd be willing to share one or two. I don't know. I mean, he is a really private person, but yes, yes. But I mean, if you're, sh- you know, like I can. Share- we're not saying shell. We're not saying share the selfies, SR. No, no. <laughs> we're just you know, saying. We don't need to see the fox pointing at the uh, Eiffel Tower. <laughs> but well, it would be nice, but we're holding it up or whatever. Would that be hilarious, though? Would that be like the biggest like joke of all? Like, if he would share a few photos and he would be in one of the photos and he would never know, like, that would just be the best. That would be his, that would be the best private joke he could, he could uh, have for himself. That's very true. But like I said, (laughs) when I was in Toronto a couple weeks ago, I know what restaurant I was in and uh, (laughs) I said, and you didn't say hello. (laughs) (laughs) it would be great Lori it would be great it really would be so oh my gosh so you know we we end the chapter 24 they had this discussion and you know again forward movement in the relationship Uh, Akasi has agreed for a trial period as his um, executive assistant um, and now has plans to travel to Greece the next day As we enter chapter 25, it's as Nicholas returns home after his full day of work. When he had come back, he walked over to the pool, hoping that Acacia was swimming, but she was not. He went up the stairs and stood outside her room, hoping to hear her. He was hoping she was awake, really, but there was no noise. There was no sound, and he presumed that she was sleeping. He had thought about how strong Acacia was, and with the exception of his sister, he did not know anyone as strong. And then he peered over to Reva's door, thinking about his sister, and went in to her room. It had been quite a long time since he had been in the room, and it had changed much. It really hadn't changed very much. Uh, The room was kept as pristine as possible by Juliet, uh, but everything was kind of in in progress. Her art was ready for her. It was as if she would be walking back into the room to work on the painting. Um, And he was very reflective. He carried burdens around her death. If he had not made her rush home to meet his fiance, he really truly believed that she still could be alive today. Thierry, the security guard, had survived the attack and had provided a lot of information about the culprits. Nicholas's guilt had kept him from looking at Reva's portrait. He just couldn't bring himself to do it. And he had vowed to avenge her death. As he closed the door, turned off the light, he had walked past Acacia's room. And he was just, I think he was very deep in thought at this point. And as he was walking, he was taking off his tie. It was a very long day. And he sees this figure coming up the stairs, kind of a very ethereal figure and I think it probably startled him as he looked into her countenance and said mama Mm -hmm. so that was a very surprising change of events Mm -hmm. yes I mean 
That's one thing that I don't think any of us saw coming. I didn't see that coming no, in, I didn't when either. reading this. I didn't either. You know, and at first you're th I was thinking, wait, is he going kind of into a paranormal uh, element here? And his sister's spirit was visiting him. You know, I wasn't sure which way, yeah, which direction SR was going to take it. Yeah, because he's, he's describing it as like she's floating up the steps. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, and Lori... I believe he was in the restaurant. I would like to think that the person that I saw that was sitting about three tables away on his phone by himself was SR. Nice looking, full head of hair, didn't see whether there were Argyle socks or not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was going incognito, no, no Argyle right, socks. Right. <laughs> but I, I, in my own heart of hearts and mind, it was him. So. Oh, my gosh. Because I just it, love thinking of it. I think it's great. I'm going with it, Pam. I, I'm well, saying yes. Know, I, I've, I'm already there. But the, the, the only reason why I'm saying that is because I never named the restaurant. I mm -hmm. never put, um, I, I just said it was Greek, Greek food. And I know that Toronto has a large Greek community, so. Yes, it I, does, even, actually. Even in my location uh, on the Twitter line, mm -hmm. it didn't even have the name of anything except Toronto. So when, when I saw this the next day and he says, were you in Penelope's? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's phenomenal. That's great. Yeah, my friends that were with me was like, how come he hasn't come out? I'm like, yeah, you don't know. So, anyhow, that brings us up to chapter 26. Now, there's a lot going on in the next couple of chapters. And it's just, there's a lot of information to take in. Oh, yeah. So, Akasi has been up early. She's been swimming laps, uh, packing, getting dressed to go for her, her trip to Greece. And as she's walking towards the, the terrace, uh, she hears voices. She doesn't see Nicholas sitting in the spot that he would normally be sitting in. And when she reached the opening, she saw a very attractive older woman. Uh, Nicholas and the gentleman that he is, he gets up, he's helping her with his, his, her seat, and he, he proceeds to introduce Acacia to his mother. Uh, he's Acacia Santos, this is Helene Kesserer. And uh, she was very happy to, to meet Acacia. And she but Acacia's like apologizing for interrupting, and she was, you know, like being tentative, you know, should I leave type of thing. And Nicholas uh, said, you know, had her seat pulled out. And, the mo and his mother said, please join me. I've been looking forward to meeting you. So and, gracious. Yes. So gracious. Very gracious. And, and what was surprising to Acacia is that she wasn't like the lady from Lyon. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely no. not. 
And I don't know if you saw Lori's thing. <laughs> he probably had them covered, the socks. I'm going with it, too. You should have yelled or whispered his name. <laughs> to be honest with you, I almost did. I almost walked up to the guy because he was sitting by himself. Oh, my gosh. But that would have been great. Mm-hmm. But I, I think also, you know, I think we respect, I think we yeah, respect, we respect the, his, uh, uh, privacy. his privacy. And that is his choice to whether or not to uh, to break well, that wall. <laughs> I did say the next day, you know, was that you? <laughs> and I got a winky smile back, so. <laughs> you know, him and his winky smiles. Oh, so. yes. <laughs> and Lori also agrees, yes, you have to respect that. So. so, they're at breakfast, and Gretel has brought coffee and orange juice and champagne. Yes. yes. Madame Cosser had arrived last night from Tahiti, and her husband was still sleeping. So she's kind of apologized for him. But she wanted to celebrate because she never, she doesn't see Nicholas all that often. And she yes. thought, you know, this would be a good thing to do. Yes, and actually on that point we had asked Esther if the celebratory drink was solely for Nicholas or if for the fact that he brought a Cassio with him. And Esther had said, I think Madame Cassio's celebratory drink is because she is with her son again and he's actually home. It's implied that he doesn't come home too often. So, like most very, sons. very, very true. Like most sons who live away from home. Exactly. It's like, uh, are you going to call me? When was the last time you called me? I've, I've been <laughs> there, you know. Anyhow. So, so they, they're drinking the champagne. Acacia thanks her for allowing her to stay in her beautiful home. And Madame Cusser also agreed that that whole area was beautiful. She said that uh, normally it's just she and the staff, and it was so good to have Nicholas and Acacia there. Uh, she, um, Nicholas was trying to get her attention this whole time, and you know, she's Acacia's kind of ignoring him because she doesn't want to have a silent conversation at a table, which I can't, I, I can't really can't blame her for that. Right. And so through through the breakfast, uh, Madame Cassera has asked Acacia to take a walk with her. And she was, which surprised her, and she agreed to it. So Nicholas helped his mother from her chair, and um, his mom did the mom thing, kissed both cheeks, and then helped Acacia from the chair, and... and he was watching his his mother was watching them the entire time and has given them as like a small smile because i i think mom thinks there's something going on there oh yeah oh yeah and uh so she so they go off and and they go start to take a walk and she wants to make sure that acacia is going to be comfortable in the shoes she's in she's in a sandals that lace up around her ankle and stuff and her own shoes were uh, a navy blue with a low heel and uh, had the interlocking C's. Yes, yes. Chanel, Chanel, of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) There goes SR with his fine footwear. Yes. 
I do. I did ask him about that, but he didn't respond to that question. Do you remember? I, I, yeah, yeah. I had said that. I was like, so SR, again, as in many of your books, you pay attention and homage to quality footwear. Any he comments or thoughts? <laughs> he pays homage to quality clothing, too. Yeah, he does. Like when you think about it. So. He does. He does indeed. He's, he must be a fashionista. I think so too. He has great. I think he has great style. And there's Miss Susie. Oh hello. my gosh, Lori and Susie, Susie, <laughs> hello! You can join us. So excited! Oh my gosh, excited. you just—you made my night. We get to see Lori sometimes on Wednesdays, but I know we can never see you on Wednesdays. So I'm so happy you could join us yes. today. So we're, we're talking about uh, Chapter 26 in The Man in the Black Suit at the moment, and we're talking about Nicholas's mother and how she thinks, and mothers usually know best, that there's something going on um, it, with between Nicholas and Acacia. So That's right. <laughs> And Susie apologized because she was late because she's had a rough week. And I, I said, sorry that you've had the rough week. I think that's been a theme for all of us. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, how's your mom doing? I know she had fallen a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, just how's she doing? So, so after we get through all the uh, shoe, shoe fetish loans. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are. They are. <laughs> I know. I love it. Oh, oh good. good. Susie she's good. said she's good. Wonderful, wonderful. That gets a heart. Yes. Um. So, so, so they're they're now taking this nice walk, and you know, she casually asks, "How did you meet my son?" <laughs> <laughs> Anacostia's uh, I said well I was the concierge at the Hotel Vitois and that's where I met him and which and she likes that hotel it's a very nice one and they she also has an apartment in that same area of Paris and, oh yes <clears throat> so and she said she always thought that concierges had to be very well educated so she's asked where she had gone to school and uh she, Acacia tells her the Sorbonne. Now this caught uh, Nicholas's mother by by oh, you know, a little surprise, she, and she's wondering, well, were you there, my daughter Reva? You know, and and then she started thinking, and she's like, well, Reva was older than Nicholas, so they, you were she was probably out out by the time you had gone in. True. But, yeah, but so then, um. She's Acacia started talking about the gallery and how Nicholas had taken her done and that Reva had done wonderful work with the gallery and how proud she must have been of her. And this kind of took her back a little bit because uh, she said that Nicholas, number one, Nicholas hadn't been to the gallery in a long time. And she was having issues with, um, or, or, you know, she hasn't been back that long. So she was just really surprised that Nicholas even took her there. Um, 
and then she carrying on the conversation that she asked where Acacia lived in Paris and she told her the fifth arrondissement and that was the Latin Quarter around the Sorbonne and that's a really neat area lots mm-hmm. of students, lots of cafes nice area and uh, she assured Acacia assured her that she and Nicholas were only friends mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. So she, so Madame Cassero was kind of happy to hear about this, and she, uh, she says she said it sounds like Nicholas was making a turn in the right direction. So you know when I'm when I'm looking at these notes and putting them together, I was sitting there thinking, and it just dawned on me last night: Does she know what Nicholas does aside from handling the Cassero Foundation business? But does she know about the Pierre Breckman side of him? Because uh, one of the things she didn't, she, she she didn't. Nicholas had the scar covered, and, right? You know, I I don't know. I just didn't. I, I I'm just curious. So I, I don't think she knows. I don't think she. I don't think she knows at that point. I don't think she knows at all. Or yeah. She does doesn't really talk about it. She may know he has a dark side. I'm not even sure if he... I, I think she might view that as his uh, his indifference or his mourning. Not his indifference, but his, his kind of grief that he doesn't want to discuss anything that has to do with that terrible night. Yeah, I think so. That's part of it. But it just... I, you know, it just dawned on me, like I said. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Susie's having buffering problems. Sorry, Susie. Lori just said, I, I would think not. So Lori doesn't think he, he she knows either. I've got, I've got that on the list for questions for next their next podcast. Um, so Cassio, again, Cassio was wondering if she knew what Nicholas was doing. So as they're walking down the path and they're getting quiet and they're just getting kind of getting to know each other, at door at, in the path, all of a sudden pops up this lamppost. And when they reached it, Madame Castor said she wanted to confess something to her. She said that when Nicholas told her that he had brought somebody home, she was intrigued. Then in speaking with the staff, he she finds out that it's a very nice young woman that he's brought home and he has <laughs> anyone home for any t- length of time and that Acacia was much lovelier than she expected Aww. which was nice so Acacia, it was nice so Acacia is trying to like work around this saying well you know I'm not <laughs> really working for him as a concierge and uh he, you know, he, 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 I lost my place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, well, she didn't want, you know, she she really didn't want to miss. I think she was to, so taken by the kindness of mm-hmm. Nicholas's mother. I don't think she wanted to. I think she wanted to be very authentic and very true, so and and so very honest. That, um, and she wanted to make sure that 
she wasn't lying to his mother. She didn't want her his mother to have any misconceptions right, that right. there was any relationship beyond the professional. The professional relationship. But the, his mom, as soon as she heard about Acacia coming in, she flew right home. So, I know. It's a, she was hopeful. Yes, yeah, she was. So anyway, so they're they're walking along, and she she was. Uh, 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 his mom said, "You know, Nicholas has not been to the gallery in a very long time, and he certainly wouldn't have taken anybody to the cal- gallery unless there was something more than just colleagues." So she said, "But Acacia's like letting in that lie." Um, <laughs> So then she asked her about the light post and, you know, Acacia, while it fell out of place for her, she started thinking about her favorite childhood story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And as uh, Madame Kassar is looking at her, she's talking about it, she said that was Reva's favorite story as well. And that whenever Reva was outside playing, she was always looking for Aslan around the lamppost. And it had actually been because there had been a driveway there and they had torn it up and and changed the driveway and planted grass where it was, but they never took the the lamppost away. Which is so cool. And we actually asked SR about that. Uh, The question we posed to him was, SR, you referenced the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe via the conversation between Elaine and Acacia. And we asked, why did you choose to mention the story in this chapter? And he said, he liked the idea. I liked the idea of an image of a lamppost set in a wood. I encountered one once on my travels and found it fascinating. So yeah, I just, would be. I, I think that would be very cool. And I love the fact that he weaves in pieces of his own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, into different stories. I think that's very cool. I think most authors do that. I think so. And I think most authors will tell you that the advice they've always been given is to write what you know. Correct. Correct. So, uh, Lori said, moms are always curious because males don't always share. (laughs) I'm an expert on being a boy's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I was going to say, you and Pam have that commonality. Actually, and Susie, too. I know she has a son who um, who is in the film industry. And kudos, Susie. I'm going to put it out on the podcast that her son's film that he worked on won at the, Ven- won at the Venice Film Festival. So there's a shout-out to Susie's son yeah. uh, and the work that he's done. Um, and he worked with a, fo- a woman director, I saw. So that's very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very cool. I'm for, I, I, I forgive me because I forgot the name of it, but I was very excited. I thought that was very cool. Um, and Lori yeah. also thought it was very interesting about the lamppost. I did too. I thought that was cool. Yay! Yeah, you should be proud. Very proud. Proud mama. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So, uh, so Acacia Matt asked... Uh, I told Madame Cassera what that she had studied art, and when asked what type, she said she enjoyed impressionism, which she also liked, and mm-hmm. uh, then started to tell her about the Degas, and the the Degas is the Manti family, 
that was supposedly stolen out of their uh, museum. And just as a side note, I, when we were reading this chapter, I was going through trying to find um, copies of the artwork on the internet and where they were and what have you. And SR uh, had said that he he'd sent me a link to a website and he said that he was looking basically for um, paintings that were in a private collection so that it, you know it would be you could, you could see that the customers was a private collection. Mm -hmm. So um, but before he answered my question, I had seen that the Degas was actually uh, housed at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, which I thought was so cool. So I, I, I emailed down to their to the their group. And mm -hmm. I told them, I said, I'm a podcaster for Sylvain Reynard's book, The Man in the Black Suit. And he has referenced this particular piece of art. And in my looking, I see that you have it. Is it on display? And they told me no. Um, they were they were really, they got, they got back to me a couple weeks late, but they were really good about it. They said it is a uh, pastel work and it's in very fragile condition, so they don't uh, bring it out too often. Occasionally, it would be in an, an exhibition, and that to keep a lookout on their website to see if, if it's going to be out. And if it is, then they'll then I can go down and see it. But I just thought that was so cool. I think so too. It really is. And I'm I am so glad that the, the museum finally got back to me. And and as I I. I forwarded the email also to SR and he thought that was really interesting as well. So anyway, so they're talking about the Degas and uh, and and Akasi had told her that Nicholas had told her about the Degas and the other paintings. And she said there was a time that any of them could not talk about the robbery and the gallery. So Nicholas must trust her tremendously uh, to tell her about all this and she then asked Acacia if she would join her in a tea party which I think is so sweet it was sweet that was sweet and you know so of course she agreed to it so it's a little while later on the tea parties happen they've had dinner and they have had to dress for dinner so Nicholas is again in a black suit and Cassia is in like this gauzy peach gown that she had and they're both sitting at the um, sitting at the pool with their feet in the water and drinking champagne uh, I could Cabernet go for right some... now but <laughs> I could go for some champagne yeah. I haven't had good champagne in a while I had a nice one Oh, very nice. Oh, and Susie mentioned that she is a huge Degas admirer. Yes. He, he does. He's done incredible work. And I loved all the dancers he did. Now, the Mansi mm -hmm. family, the girl is a dancer. And, and I, I believe it's the mother's brushing her, combing out, or combing out her hair. And with mm -hmm. somebody else watching. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's incredible. 
So anyway, so they're Nicholas and Akasi are sitting by the cool and enjoying a nice evening and she's just like filled with like all this beauty around her and looking at the stars and they're being kind of quiet with each other but it was you know it, it, it was just nice and there's a nice wind blowing and a wisp of hair blows into her face and gets caught in her lipstick and he, Nicholas very nicely pushes it back behind her ear. Uh, I love it. I love it. You I can know. see this happening on the screen, can't uh, you? That, yes. Vis- yes. Actually visualize that. Absolutely. So, um, Susie says beautiful. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So she thanks him by saluting him with his glass and he and he Nicholas comes back and says, you know, I really didn't know they were coming home and uh, that, you know, Cassia says, you know, she really misses Riva and Nicholas's eyes as they're talking is filled with all kinds of gratitude and thanks and Nicholas, or Cassia assures him that it was no chore, uh, that she had not been to a tea party for a while and she even got to wear a very fancy hat that Nicholas's mother had worn at Ascot. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would love. I would love. Oh, how cool would that be? I love the comment. Uh, Lori said, the behind the ear move. Sigh. I yes. Have, I have uh, to think about my hair being washed. I just and find let me, that uh, one of the most sensual things. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, and you know, I've been reading, you guys, all all of you know, I've been reading the Driven series and he, that's something Colton Donovan does and he moves that hair behind the ear and, oh, (laughs) yes, I know, Susie, you're hearting that. I know that scene is beautiful. Well written, SR, well written. I even, I even had, I got into a long conversation one time with um, a bartender, my friend, and the manager of the bar, and uh, hey, I, Gary was, and I was telling Gary about how I, I just love this feeling and the sensuality of it, and so he says, "Okay, come, come in the kitchen with me." So he washed <laughs> my hair in a kitchen sink at the single wing pub. In White Plains, New York. Oh, my gosh. Pam, <laughs> you are cracking me up. Oh, my gosh. Another chapter for your book, Pam. Another chapter for the book. Oh, that is the best. He carries a chapter in and of himself. <laughs> Susie's laughing. And Susie had said, I love him. Yeah. Lori had also said, me too. She loves that scene. Yeah. How yeah. romantic. It is. Yes. It is. So. But he, he told her that because they had gone on about, you know, the designer and uh, the tea party and, and everything like that. And that's all something his mother would have done with his sister if she were still mm-hmm. alive and she you know Cassie was um you know had mentioned 
that how much his mother actually loved him. And he basically said, I really don't know how to talk to her. And so he asked her what Acacia's mother was like. And she said that uh, she's strict, serious, and fiercely loved her. And Nicholas I love liked that, that description. Yeah. Nicholas loved that. And he admitted that his mother was fierce and she was a Rottweiler in Chanel. Brilliant. And that made Acacia laugh. And Nicholas loved the sound of her laughing. And, but she couldn't, Acacia couldn't understand Nicholas's mother as a Rottweiler. Definitely not. Definitely not since she was so kind to her. But um, no, I, I loved I love that turn of a phrase too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Susie loved the fact it was fiercely. Mm-hmm. Um, and also earlier, Lori had mentioned uh, regarding your uh, hair washing <laughs> at the restaurant that only would happen to you, Pam. <laughs> and, 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 and trust me, it was not shampoo that Gary used. It was a stuff called New Foam that they used in restaurants and bars to clean dishes. Oh my gosh, I know what you're talking about. That is cracking me up even more. I love it. I love it. Hey, you know, I have curly hair. I wore it loose and curly. I didn't have to worry about how hard I was trying to brush this stuff afterwards. So. <laughs> That is so great. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever walk in a restaurant and, and think, I'm going to think of you every time I'm in any kitchen in a restaurant. I'm just telling you that from here on out, Pam. I'm going to giggle every time I see a dishwasher. Oh Lori Lord. said, I bet it was hard to rinse out. Uh, <laughs> I, you know. I, and Susie goes, geez. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yes, it's not something your hairdresser would offer you. No. <laughs> oh my lord. Anyway. <laughs> so Nicholas really enjoyed Acacia's laughter and cuz it was such a beautiful sound and she'd asked him and she when he told her her laugh so she's smoothing, She's, I guess she's kind of embarrassed about but she's just like soothing her dress, you know, so it doesn't get wet and whatever. And, um, you know, he's not trying to sing anything out of place. Acacia told Nicholas that his mother just really missed him. And he brushed that off as only sons will do. <laughs> and said, uh, well, she knows how to get a hold of me. <laughs> Again, only something a son would take. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, um, he, he, you know, it works both ways. And so, you know, she's basically saying that. And she said, you know, look, your mother finds that you're here. She's in the other side of the world from Geneva. And she flies from Tahiti to Geneva so she can be with you. And uh, he, he, he's sort of, of looking out the side of his eyes. He says, we, we both know why 
she came. It was because of her. <laughs> so Nick, Nicholas uh, was, you know, he's like, you know, you didn't dance with me. So Cassia says, you know, it really is not appropriate for us to dance together. You're my, basically my employer. And uh, she had told his parents this. Uh, but Nicholas mentions that, but they were also friends, and friends danced with each other. And in a low voice, so as not to offend him, she's going, but you know, we're really not friends. And then, play, but playfully nudging him at the same time. And she, tell, she also tells him, I have a very long list of faults, which he doubted. They refilled their glasses. So Cassia told him that his mother didn't know about the accessibility programs that that uh, were at the gallery because they had the, the Braille and the open admission, so it was free one day a month, and then the music programs so that patients with dementia and Alzheimer's could come in with their caregivers, and they could sit, enjoy the music, enjoy the art that was around them. But she also admitted that she didn't know what it was like to lose a sister. Basically, because she, you know, she was an only child, so she offered her sympathy, which he graciously accepted. And, but Nicholas is, she's also telling Nicholas that a loss like that can't be repaired or forgotten. And that in her observation, looking at what was being, he did at the gallery to carry on everything for his sister um, was adding to her legacy and would, would make his sister unforgettable. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's, I guess he was kind of like shy about that and, you know, not really paying attention because he didn't feel that way. He's felt as if he's failed because he hasn't found the, the artwork and he hasn't held, found the women that, or the men that did this to his sister. So she related the story of Cepheus and Nicholas originally thought it was a Cepheus uh, that he had learned in university from uh, Cam Camus, but it was the Homer version that she was referring to. And she was saying that, you know, Cepheus was was basically told he had this boulder that he had to push uphill and as soon as he would get it up to the hill Zeus would knock it down but Cepheus would go back put the boulder back on his shoulder and roll it back up the hill and he didn't really understand the correlation of what was going on so he said well, you know it, it was it's a noble cause it's a praiseworthy deed the fact that he would continuously push this boulder up the hill and ha yeah and would go down but he would go right back and do it over do it all over again that was a noble victory he he didn't fail because he never gave up and if for Nicholas he did wasn't giving up and he was trying to pursue these these people that hurt his sister and also the artwork that was so important to his family. And then she said to him, friends, 
and she held up her glass next to him. He said, yes, thanked her. They clicked glasses and drank. Ah, you can see that scene too, right? Mm -hmm. I love the fact that he, that she really, they both were kind of praising each other Mm -hmm. and kind of building each other up there and being very supportive and and admiring each other mm-hmm. um, for their own traits. And I love, I just, I, again, that's, that's such a great chapter. I know Lori goes, aw, right? Uh, this, I'm telling you, this, this is going to be on Passion Flicks. It has to be. It At has least to, it something. has to get option. And by, Some the, way, way. by Some... the way, he does have notes for another caper with Nicholas and Acacia. I'm so excited about that. that. That's so. so exciting. I cannot wait to see where where they go next. Yes. It's very exciting to me. I wouldn't expect that for a few years down the road, but yes. Well, SR is full of surprises, You though. never know. I um, think she half says the time... it does. It would be perfect. And then Susie said, fingers crossed. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and I think SR teases us. I think he tells us he's writing, but he's already mm-hmm. written, and it may be with a beta reader or something else when he finally uh, tells us that he's writing, because then that's where like all the edits and stuff would start. Mm-hmm. So, so. I can see that. I totally yeah. can see that, because you know he has tons of ideas, and oh, yeah. I'm sure he's been writing. And developing, at least sketching things um, on and off for years. Mm-hmm. So, and he is the king <laughs> of tea, He is the king of tea. That winky smile. <laughs> SR. Gets to you all the, the time. The king of teas. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, Susie. I think we might have to tell him that. Mm-hmm. I think we might have to tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> And well, Lori you know, also said that may be true. It is a long process. It is. Well, you know, it's funny because when I had gone to the Old Souls conventicle that, at the beginning of August, mm-hmm. and Deborah Harkness, uh, her publicist, her editors, her, her publisher and all that, they were on this <laughs> panel, and they were talking about how long it really does take a book to go through its steps to be published and uh, her publisher was saying that he or his her agent I'm sorry her agent had gotten this novel and it was over I think over a thousand pages and, or, or somewhere in that area and so he was going through it and you know they he, they would go th- he, they, they would go through and pull out separate pieces so by the t- that they would come through that, and then it would go to a uh, reader just for the con, you know that the story was contiguous and uh, made sense at certain points where it was going, and then after those edits are done, it would go to another editor where they would look over the spelling, the grammar, etc., and then from there. It goes to uh, somebody who sets it up for the print, 
you know, what kind of book mm -hmm. is it? Is it hard copy? Is it soft copy? Is it the smaller paperbacks or the larger paperback? And so how to format it. And if there's any uh, graphic design uh, for a chapter and in her books, she has some, not a lot, but some at the beginning of the chapters. Mm -hmm. And how to place that. Does it go in the center somewhere and the words wrap around? Does it go up the corners? Or, you know, I mean, it was really interesting to see. And it would take, this whole process took like a year and a half. Oh, yeah. Before the book is actually put into, uh, put into print and ready to be sold. So... Yeah, Susie noted that they must be under so much pressure when they have a deadline to meet. Exactly. And Lori said it would be a lot of pressure towards the end. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I can attest to that. Just just doing print work and, and work for booklets or brochures or any kind of print materials mm -hmm. for clients. Is, and that's something that I do just on that scale uh, or a newsletter, for example, getting that to print is, right. yeah, it, it is, there's well, a lot of, there's a lot of pressure and just, it, I mean, magnify that by 400 pages, right? Exactly. And it's, exactly. it's, and it's then, remarkable. And all but, the different formats it has to be in too now. And then he, they were saying that, um, the, the agent was saying, you know, we have a few chapters written, now we have to sell it. So that Viking or Penguin or Harcourt, whoever the publisher house may be, mm -hmm. they, so they'll pick it up. And, you know, it, it's a whole process. Oh, yes. You know, and it, it, the self-publishing, like Jen and Mog do, or even SR did with this one, is a lot different. You know, because mm -hmm. then you're just worried about the formatting of the print and all that kind of stuff. You're not necessarily have someone out there trying to sell a publisher to do things. Although, I know SR's agent has been doing that to get it into the different languages. So, Yeah, it's a lot. There's, there's a lot involved in bringing An a book lot. forward. An awful lot. So, I'm grateful. And I'm you really grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Pam, you have so much. You have so much content. <laughs> you but have so much to share with the world. I don't have a muse. <laughs> I have nobody speaking in my ear, which most writers do. Well, I think I think that depends, though, on be it uh, fiction or nonfiction. I mean, you'd, you're, you are your own muse, Pam. I mean, come on. <laughs> Susie's laughing at me. <laughs> Lori says, you do, Pam, you do. Oh, no, I don't have a muse that talks to me, trust me. <laughs> SR, could t SR could be your muse. He can tweet to you. Well, SR, <laughs> SR once said he wants to interview me. <laughs> I was like, oh God! He should interview. Oh my gosh, that would be great for a podcast to have SR interview you. Oh my gosh, I'm going to pose the question. <laughs> that would be great. Although oh, I don't know, we Lord. might open a Pandora's box. He you may could. not go for that. He might. Not. <laughs> but yeah. Could you imagine? Oh my, oh my gosh. 
That would be great. Okay, we're getting... We're getting sidetracked here. Susie goes, exactly. And she goes, yes. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, my gosh. I I don't know whether it was on a a Twitter feed or in a chat room when he was doing one of his chats. Said that. I was like, oh, God. Uh. (laughs) Susie said, this has to happen, LOL. And Lori said, he would be a great muse and interviewer. Agreed. Oh, <laughs> that would be so it. great. I know. I know. We could have a whole series of SR <laughs> doing it. The SR Chronicles. The SR interviews. And instead of them being his interviews with him, it would be interviews that he conducts. <laughs> that would be that would be fun. It would be fun. Oh my gosh. As if he doesn't <laughs> have any enough on it. Cuz he has yeah, cuz he doesn't have enough to do. Oh my gosh! Well, as uh, we need to get into chapter twenty-seven, our last one, our last mm-hmm. chapter, and this is a good juicy chapter too, ah, because they go back to my motherland, your favorite place, <laughs> my mother's, world. my mother's family's homeland, mm-hmm. Greece, and uh, after breakfast. They departed. Nicholas had wondered if Akasi had been there before, and she said she had not. He had not taken his prosthetic off until after they got the, off the plane. And I think, you know, that made her think, I wonder if anybody knows that he has that scar. Um, well, that's why I wondered about if his mom and dad know what he does. I don't think they do. I think he keeps that very separate. I'm, I, I, think I, he, I think for the most part, but mm-hmm. do they know he has a scar? I don't think they do. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think. I think he tries to shelter them from that side of him. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Probably. But uh, you know, he had taken the prosthetic off in the plane. And during the previous afternoon, Acacia had had accepted his mother's help with the apartment. So, I mean, his mother had been gracious and wonderful. She drew up an extensive plan suggesting fabrics and paint. And Acacia had not expected such kindness from her. And she actually felt ashamed about how she mistrusted Nicholas, um, you know, given the fact that his, his family had been so welcoming and he had been Um, really had been showing her very many kindnesses. And one of my favorite lines in the whole book was that trust was earned. Mm -hmm. But trust was earned. And again, when on Wednesday I mentioned that I thought this that was a very, um, a theme that resonates often in SR's work as well, Mm -hmm. about trust and evolving trust and building trust and having to rebuild trust. as we saw in the Gabriel series. Um, and so she was thinking about this um, and the fact that Rick had let the attackers go. So she still was very self-protective in this, um, in this environment. Um, but she thought about this and Rick had been sent to watch over her. Rick was watching when the BRB had left and, you know, thankfully he was there to help um, when, the, when she had been attacked. Nicholas had also made sure that all her valuables were out of her apartment and that Claude had been protected. And so it's really a tough call for her because she's thinking of all these things that Nicholas has done for her so far. 
And of course, he's on the plane drinking his gray goose with tonic and lime, like wearing one of his Elvis. black suits. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I still think we have to have a gray goose show, like a show that we do, you know, oh, ha- talk got, about the vodka. Yeah. I, but we need to be in the same place to do exactly. that. Pam. It would be so much more fun. Um, we will be doing that. <laughs> that will be a future show. Um, and of course, the pilot announced Santorini uh, was ahead and they were pr- going to prepare for the landing. They looked over and saw the Crescent Island with the beautiful Mediterranean with the white houses built onto the cliffs. And I had asked SR about this. Mm-hmm. And I had asked him about why um really it was please refresh my memory sr have you actually visited santorini and if so did you go to research this book um did you stay in a property that utilized the caves as part of the room did you watch the sunset visit ia Um, your descriptions are engaging and quite accurate and sr had said yes i visited santorini and it's a great place Very interesting, very picturesque, and lots of things to see. He said, the sunset at Ia was a highlight, and I stayed in a hotel on the cliffs that had been carved into the rock face. Sigh. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, I knew. I I was so certain he, he went there, just the way he wrote, the way he wrote about that magical place. I really thought he was there, so I was happy to hear that. Of course, he has a great imagination, too, so he could have written that just based on pictures, but mm-hmm. just the feeling of the feeling of these scenes just made me think he had been there. Research, I know, research, Susie, sigh. Research. Lori says, wow, I'm telling you, it's the biggest, uh, I just, uh, I love it so. Um, Acacia, you know, had considered that she really did not pack well when she left Paris, so um, Juliet had taken her out shopping in Geneva, um, so she did get the clothes that she needed for to be job appropriate. Um, and Juliet, in their description, in their shopping spree, insisted that Acacia purchase a Chanel bag. And uh, I thought that was very smart too, because obviously uh, the Chanel bag could be used uh, for a quick cash if need be. Um, and as they landed, Acacia pulled out a scarf to tie around her hair because of the wind, and Nicholas was amused by that whole fact. And he said, look, the only place you need your head was in the churches. You don't need to have your head covered in, in grease. And she said, no, no, it's it's the wind. It's windy here. It's windy on the uh, – in my research, I found that it's very windy on the island, and I wanted to just be prepared. And he said, wind would not diminish her beauty. Ah, again, sigh, right? My heart. I know, I know, this writing. Ah. So Nicholas had reminded her that his meeting was with Constantine, and he was actually not a friend. It was more of a an acquaintance, and uh, Constantine knew him as Pierre Breckman. Um, she also had another alias. She's going by the name of Andarta Silva, 
um, who had a Swiss passport. And he joked that this was part of the new globalization, uh, that <laughs> a big wave of Brazilians immigrating to Switzerland, <laughs> which is great. And I think she, you know, really was just hoping to remember that what her name was Andarta. And, uh, you know, she had a warm feeling from Nicholas's kind words. Um, but she kind of, you know, he was very, because he was very flattering he, and um, very kind to her. But she really didn't think she was his type because every every image he had she had seen of him uh, was with more women who looked like Silka, more Nordic women, as opposed to someone curvaceous like uh, herself. So curly with curly hair and tan skin and fabulous curves, and she actually had to push those thoughts aside remembering that he was her boss and a friend. So she needs to keep reminding herself that they're just friends. They work together. This is professional. It would be hard to do with Nicholas, though. I, I can tell you that. And she probably finds it hard with her. I think so, too. So, you know, as she switched herself in on coming off the flight, there's a flurry of messages from Kate. Um, also, Madame Casserer, the contractor and designer, had all been in touch. And, uh, you know, Kate had said she had realized how much damage there was and that Claude had meowed that he missed her. And Ka Kate also said that Luke had been looking for her. And so, you know, of course, that had been high on, you know, she had that on her mind as well. And Laurie had said her alias was the name he borrowed from a Twitter, follow Twitter follower, right? Yeah, yes, from Andy. From Andy uh, she, go, she goes by Andy. Her name's Andarta, and she's actually one of the hosts on um, the Noithas uh, in Florencia, correct? Yeah, she's the Portuguese. She the Portuguese podcaster. Podcast. Yes, yes. So you are correct, Lori. Um, and SR, I think, in, I think there was a chat at one point, and he had said that he likes to use names that he finds um, really interesting or different. And uh, so that's, that wasn't surprising uh, that he would use a name of one of the, one of the podcasters. So as, uh, as they were finishing, as she was looking at the messages, Nicholas was calling to her, um, Andarta, Andarta. And uh, she was coming um, out to Deplain. Uh, he walked behind her uh, when Greek Customs uh, was greeting him as Pierre. Um, they shook hands and they kind of all went through. They hardly ever even noticed Acacia. Uh, they didn't even really do any kind of thorough examination of her documents because she was with Pierre. Um, they got into the Silver Range Rover and headed for the villa um, when her cell phone rang and it was Luke. She sent the call to voicemail and and assured Nicholas that everything was all right. <laughs> uh, Lori, there's no problem. Uh, she's apologized for getting off course. No, no, no this, this is what the podcast is about. That's exactly right. And I pulled yes. up Andy's Twitter handle. It's Andarda Mitchell. That's and right. And she lives in the Seattle area, if I'm not mistaken. But she is originally from Brazil. Yes, that's what I thought. 
I wanted, she is actually one of the, I had thought about trying to reach out to her when I was out there, mm-hmm. but we didn't have a huge amount of time. Um, but I want to go back out to Seattle and I would love to meet up with her. I think that would be very cool. Um, very, very cool. So Luke has been bugging her. She just sent the call to voicemail. Um, they were approaching the villa. Wen came and did the security check. Rich helped her out of the Rick helped her out of the car. Uh, the woman uh, who worked at the villa gave Nicholas a note. He excused himself and just said, "Make yourself at home." Um, and she went to her room. Um, uh, one of the staff members showed her the closet. He said, "Dial zero if there's anything you need." She gave he gave a password for the Wi-Fi. And the room was as SR must have, it must, he must have described a room he was in or saw because it was this beautiful room that was built into a cave with an ensuite bathroom. And I'm telling you, you can Google some photos of uh, these kind of rooms um, in Santorini and it's breathtaking. I, I did not stay in one of those rooms because when, when I was in Santorini, I was 20 years old and I had no money. So, uh, but I stayed in a very beautiful, um, actually very lovely hostel. Um, actually it wasn't even a hostel. It was just a room for rent. Um, yeah. And it was on the other side of the Island called Akrotiri. So there's Sierra, there's the, the main town in Santorini um, on the one side, and then in between is Ia, which is where, uh, apparently is where SR stayed, or at least enjoyed the sunset. And then on the other side of the island is Akrotiri, which has an architectural, um, an anthropological dig of a city that uh, they believed was, a lot of people thought was Atlantis. So, um, it's, yeah, it's just really, really cool. And, uh, Susie had also was just chiming in about Andy and she said she is really lovely. So very, very sweet, very good soul as, as there, as many in the community are, it's it's just wonderful people coming together to enjoy these wonderful books. Um, So she was equating, acquainting herself with her surroundings um, and always being prepared she noticed that they were on the cliff that you would need to be a climber to get up or down um or anywhere accessing the property besides the way they came in there was a plexiglass barrier around the pool area and she traveled upstairs to the living room kitchen a large bathroom with a steam room laundry and library and media room i mean this place must have just been gorgeous fantastic ah i just I just want to go there. Uh, you know, I wonder if this is what he refers to as his writing cave. Yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> I know. I had, actually, I worked with a guy, Bob Quinn, and he, his stepfather-in-law and his mother-in-law and wife, and I think there was one other person with them. They did this thing where they did a cruise around Turkey Oh, wow. Then they went to Greece because they were, Bob and his stepfather-in-law were running a marathon in Athens. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And one of the things they did, they spent time at San, in Santorini and he brought back pictures. Oh my God. They were gorgeous. Such oh. a gorgeous area. I said, someday, someday. I know. I know. I'm telling you. Greece isn't too far from Italy. I'm just telling you, ladies. You hit Florence. You can take uh, just hop over on a flight or yes. take a ferry. Ah, sigh again. There, that's you go. And there's direct flights now into Santorini too. Not just from Athens, but from other European cities. They were doing a lot of deals. We heard about. Um, so Santorini is quite becoming quite the tourist destination now. So that's actually one of the reasons why we didn't go this time. We were there. Um, and Lori said it would be the nicest of caves. Yes, it would. Honestly. <laughs> this is true. So Akasi was still carrying her purse when she went back to her room. Uh, it had both of her passports, the Swiss passport for Andarta and her Brazilian passport, several thousand euros, a burner cell, and all of her contacts placed in the phone. She pulled out her phone, listened to Luke's message, and he sounded quite concerned. Cassie, where are you? Why are you ignoring my messages? Please call me. Since she did not want to call him and talk to him directly, she sent him a message just saying she was okay she had left the hotel because things were brutal and that she was spending a few days with friends. So I think she was hoping just to send him, yeah, to send him a message so he wouldn't push anymore, but also let, to alleviate him. And yes, Lori said, Susie, when you go back to Florence, and Susie said, I've been to Athens and some of the Greek islands, but not Santorini. I know, Susie, so many islands, so little time. Exactly. <laughs> I was I talked to Effie a little bit, um, who is the writer of the saga, the gift saga, and uh, over Twitter. And uh, now I'm blanking out. I think her I think her mother's family's from Kefalonia, and her father's family I just read is from another island that I went to that I loved. I'm blanking out on the other island, but. Um, she just said there's so many islands that she just enjoys and they all have slightly different flavors to them. Um, but they're all just very warm and welcoming people um, who live there. And it's, it's the natural beauty is astounding. So you, I fell in love with the Greek islands from watching the guns of Navarone. Really? Like, yes which was like a 1962 movie or something. Yeah. And I had always had a vision of, of wanting to do this. And mm -hmm. I, my, my cousin, um, I remember when she was about 21 or 22, she and a friend, uh, they, she had worked in a boutique that was owned by a Greek man. And he sent her to Mykonos. And she, we came back with the pictures and how beautiful it was. And I, when Jim and I, you know, in our dreams, travel, mm -hmm. vlogs, 
I always said I wanted to go to Greece. And I've always wanted to see the Parthenon because, you know, it's, it's such ancient history. And uh, Jim says, I can't go. Like, oh, yeah. Why? I remember this story. <laughs> and he said, because I had to close on a Greek shipper and take title of his ship. And the, they, they got real nasty with him. Mm-hmm. And they got back to the hotel. He found a white powdered package. Oh my gosh! Things, and he didn't know what to do, so he called the American Embassy, and they told him to flush it down the john, and go over to the embassy. So when he went to the embassy, they got him on a flight from Athens into uh, Switzerland. I guess it was Geneva, and then he was took commercial from Geneva to the United States. He's, because they said if you had gone through in customs, customs would have been alerted right away mm-hmm. and they would have pulled him aside and tried to put him in jail and stuff. Oh, yeah. They were going to mess with them. Well, Pam, again, another chapter for your book. Well, that was Jim's good <laughs> book. God I know. But you, but you can mention that story yes. and Jim's book. And... Um, yeah, Susie had mentioned that Laurie just said, how scary. I agree, Laurie. That could, you can envision how that could happen. Well, you know, um, I, I, when, he's totally. telling, when he was telling me this story, it wasn't long. It was like maybe two years from the time that movie um, Midnight Express came out. Oh, yeah. Where the guy was put in jail in Turkey. <laughs> My friend Suzanne and I had gone to Spain and we had met, you know, we're young, we're single, <laughs> and we had met a couple of guys there, and it was like our last night, and they're like, what do you want to do? And my friend Suzanne says, well, why don't you get some hashish, and we'll go do something. <laughs> and so we, they said, okay, fine, and we went to a... Uh, a club in Tormelinos and it was a very nice place and it was a very cool and and we had a you know it was quiet and we were hanging around and all of a sudden they had gone out to I I guess to get the hashish and as they came back and we're all sitting at the bar these this national police the Spanish national police and I remember them well because they wore Uzis on their side. Oh, and God. They had this like plastic tri corner hat that they wore. Oh, my God. Plastic. I don't know whether it was or not, but that's what it looked like. And he's walking in the bar and he's going to the different tables and he's coming by the bar. And the barmaid was from Holland. And she's like, just, you know, just keep cool. And <laughs> I have, I was never so freaking scared. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. So I'm so, sure. Oh, my so gosh. The, so the, this guy, the guy leaves and, and, and um, 
I don't know whether it was Jesus or Jerry turn and says, come on, we got to go. So oh we go get God. in the car and we found an alley we, where we smoked the hashish. <laughs> and then went on to do whatever we did. Oh my God. It was, you know. <laughs> Susie's a bloody hell, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was having visions of Turkish prisons. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so when SR says uh, I, I'll send you bail money, <laughs> can you get he me knows what Spanish he's dealing prison? with. <laughs> oh, that came from something else. Totally, somebody else. Somebody else. I think it was like offering um, Jennifer and Morgan bail money for something. Oh, yeah. And so it became like a joke. Oh, yeah. It's so, so yeah. funny. Susie said, is there anything you haven't done? A lot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so true. It's so true. I haven't been to Australia. I haven't been to Tahiti. Um, <laughs> I haven't been to Machu Picchu. Oh, I'd like, like to go to there, go. too. Well, and Susie had mentioned earlier in the the feed that she goes black back to Florence and Venice next year, but she doesn't go to Greece, unfortunately, Lori. She said Mykonos and Rhodes are lovely. And actually, she mentioned that the Guns of Navarone was on TV recently, which is so ironic that, you I know, have, we actually mentioned DVD. that. I have, I have not. I've never seen it. I, I, I've heard of it. I've seen clips of it, but I never watched it, so... Richard yeah. Harris is in it. He was oh, his yeah. Fourth, he had a small part. And he, I, I think he was on for about two minutes. And it was Gregory Peck, Anthony Quinn, yeah. David Niven. Um, I knew it was a great cast. Frankie like. Avalon. <laughs> was it Frankie Avalon? Or James Darren. I'm sorry, James Darren. James Darren. Well, that's the same kind of ball. Yeah. Same kind of ballpark there. I love it. Well, they're all the Philly crowd mm -hmm. from the early 60s. So. That's right. Yeah. So. Lori said she's not watched it. She said maybe I should. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a weird movie. I mean, it's it's definitely a war movie. Um, mm -hmm. And it's about these this group of misfits going to try to uh, destroy these huge cannons that are in the side of a cliff. Now, the, the, the Navarone part, that part of it was, um, you know, that's just part of a story. It's not real. Mm -hmm. But the, the British um, Navy was were trying to get men, I think, from Rhodes. And oh, they, wow. They had, the, the ships would have to go by this thing, and the guns were going to knock them out. So this was a, like a small group that was put in there to knock out the guns. And it just, but I, I have always enjoyed it. I don't know why. And I have seen this in a movie theater uh, probably about 10 times. And hmm. I have the DVD and I've watched it on Turner Classic Movies many times. So. I may have to watch it next time it's on. It's just I, to me, it's just a fascinating movie. Well, you know, I love classic movies anyway. Yeah. I love the old movies. And Susie actually said we get those old movies on the Fox Channel here, 
And she said, Kim always watches them while she reads and listens in the background. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Susie. But yeah, that I think that would be, I would, yeah, I'm going to, I think yeah, I'm going to check that out. Check it out. There are a lot of older movies like that that I've watched that through the years. And it comes from my days. We, my, my family had a summer home on the New Jersey shore. And when we were little kids, you, you're, you could get this job of going to the movie theater and they give you these placards of what all the movies are going to be for the week. Mm-hmm. And you would distribute them to different houses. You put them in their mailboxes. Aww. And you would get a free pass for the movie for the week. Huh. Just I want to do that. <laughs> I'll do that now. I would love to do it again, but the movie theater is gone. It was washed yeah. away in a storm. Oh, so. yeah. I love it. Well, speaking of water and being in for a swim, you like my segue there? I do like that segue. <laughs> Acacia, after talking to Luke, uh, went for a dip in the pool. And she had swum laps for about half an hour and was sitting in the jacuzzi when Nicholas came out, which this I love. This part gets really just wonderful. Lori actually said she would love that. And Susie said it was a shame about the movie theater. I agree. So Nicholas comes scary. out. It was scary when you were in the movie theater and you could hear the waves going underneath it at high tide. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I totally can imagine that. Uh-huh. Life near the ocean. Ah, yes. uh, so though Nicholas and Akasi aren't near the ocean, they are near the Mediterranean Sea. And Nicholas came out with wine and offered her a glass. He was not wearing black for the first time in many, many moons. He was actually said it was too warm, so he's wearing khakis and a white shirt with um, no shoes. He's just wearing his, just going barefooted. And his hair was also tussled. And I mean, again, this is a scene you can totally envision, right, folks? I mean, ah. Love it, love it, and I cross the leg, bare feet, glass. Yes, glass of wine, looking very handsome. Mm -hmm. And he apologized to Acacia for staying on the phone for so long, but he had been speaking with Constantine. They were invited to his villa for dinner, and to watch the sunset. And this is where SR slipped in the villa and Ia. Um, And yes, Susie said very nice swoon. Lori agrees. And yes, I'm swooning. I'm totally swooning. I can totally envision this. Oh, yeah. I can I can feel the sunshine as you are sitting on the cliff, mm-hmm. sitting near a pool, having the wine. Like I, I am placing myself there. No, and uh, <laughs> Susie, Susie said no clothes, even better. LOL. Yes, Susie. <laughs> I, that gets a heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. So um, they were talking about Constantine and uh, the the plans for the evening. And uh, they wanted, uh, they were invited over to dinner. And Akasi was surprised um, that Nicholas wanted her to go with him because concierges normally do not do this. And he reminded her that she was more than a concierge. And when she mentioned 
uh, to him you know, during this discussion that he was facing the wrong direction. Um, and he told her he liked his view better. So, he, you know, his back was to the beautiful view of the, the natural beauty. And instead it was to uh, facing the beauty in front of him in the orange bikini. So, and what is it about the color orange and tan? I, I it's it's warm, it's it, vibrant, I and know. it really is a compliment. It's complimentary. It I mean, it totally is. This white Irish fair skin, when it gets <laughs> tan, with an orange shirt or bathing suit, always looks so much better. Oh, reason. absolutely! It pops. It really, really yeah. pops. I, I know it's it's actually one of my favorites, also because it's the colors of the Baltimore Orioles. But we won't mention that. Uh, that's an American baseball team. Um, that's an American baseball team, Susie, and the uh, they are having a terrible season. Um, but that's okay. I still love them. So the Yankees, um, but they may get into the uh, wild card. Uh, the Yankees always. Yeah squeak their way in and uh, they have lots of talent though they're like 10 games out from their major rivals the Boston Red Sox (laughs) yeah but the Orioles are like 56 or something I mean it's (laughs) terrible so yes um, Susie it's (laughs) actually Lori I think I think the Orioles are worse than the Rangers so this is Susie it's all American baseball um, New York These Yankees, I, I'm guessing of all the teams you may have heard of, the New York Yankees is probably one. Um, and there are some Australian players in the league. I know that. 27 yes. rings. I know. I, Pam, Boyd. I love you dearly, but I don't want to talk about the, the prowess Lloyd. of the New York Yankees. Pam <laughs> was an Australian who played baseball <laughs> for the Yankees. Yeah, there were there are several players from Australia actually yes. who are in the uh, the major league baseball teams. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and Susie You know what the Red Sox Susie. No Red she Sox. She says I like the Red Sox too Susie just cuz they get uh, under the Yankee skin, but uh-huh. I have to say um, I actually I love both the Yankees and the Red Sox in terms of just the tradition of their sports teams. It's great, and um, both Susie and Lori like the uniforms as well. So I'm I. <laughs> it's so my much blood fun. My bleeds pinstripes. <laughs> yes. Well, it's uh, my mom actually loves the Yankees, so I, I do come from a, a family that had some. Uh, allegiance to the Yankees but I always she lived in Long Island when she was a young child so um, she she has a pass <laughs> uh, well, you know I grew up with the Philadelphia Phillies right right Phillies are go Yankees they would like huh well you can say the Phillies are your National League team well that's so. what I try to say it doesn't <laughs> go over that I know that's because Philly's a tough crowd. <sighs> they, so they booed, they booed and snowballed Santa Claus. I know, I know, I love it. Philly fans. I know. So we're on the island. Nicholas and Acacia are enjoying wine, and they're discussing. He asked her how Paris was going, and she gave him the short answer: "Fine." She said he was full of surprises. <laughs> 
you know, such as taking care of her cat. And he said, well, of course, so are you. And I love, I love this, I love this interaction between the two. He mentioned that since they were dining out, um, he sent the staff home for the evening. How convenient. And uh, the staff would be returning in the morning. And he also reminded her that they should maintain their aliases while they were here on the property. Acacia questioned um, that since Silka had brought so much attention to him and to Pierre Breckman, and anger flashed on his face, but he told her that he needed Constantine's help, and Constantine actually knew him as Pierre, so that's that's why they were going with the Pierre Breckman uh, identity. He also told her that the place had been swept for listening devices. There had been four, but none in her room. And he had set them to feed disinformation to Constantine. And this surprised her, but he had said that it's a game that was played between them. You know, this is kind of expected in, in this world. And he said, this is why Acacia had been invited. And of course, <laughs> now's the real bombshell. This, you know, Nicholas is being so kind to her and, you know, he's trying to butter her up because Big time. here, you know... The reason she had been invited was because Constantine's mistress had set up the party. And, oh, by the way, I need you to pretend that you are my lover uh, because they think that we are involved in, in a relationship that is not professional. <laughs> and, um, you know, Acacia was put out by this. Um, you know, Nicholas is saying, look, I only want you to play the part on the outside, uh, you know, and Akasi's like, wait a minute, this is not part of the agreement. This is not what I signed up for. What do you take me for? And Nicholas also told her that any information Constine would get could be sold to the highest bidder. And he said if, if he thought that Acacia was his lover, then that they would very much leave her alone. You know, if, if he knew she was working for him, then she would be part of his uh, his team, and they wouldn't uh, leave her alone. They would be after her as well. So um, he also then mentioned that uh, Constantine's mistress was Jordanian, and since she spoke Arabic, then they would likely hit it off. And Acacia told him, as he was ogling her in her tangerine bikini, um, that, look, you know, you're putting me in a tough situation, and this isn't how friends treat each other. So, you know, Nicholas reminded her, you know, once again, there's nothing scandalous, there's nothing illegal that's going to happen, but, you know, he's bringing someone in new to the circle. They need to think that she is his lover. She's intelligent, beautiful, spoke several languages, and, and you know, you can tell that she's practiced in martial arts. So he said, Constantine's already investigating you and probably thinks that you're with Interpol. So that, I know, shocked her. I, I'm sure and, she, I and that. I can see, you know, she'd be like, what? And, you know, Acacia, who wants to fly under the radar all the time, is not keen about being investigated. And Nicholas said, look, he has a great talent for recruiting and, and recognizing talent. And Acacia was doubtful about this, but she did ask um, 
you know, when he learned about the mistress being Jordanian, was that why he wanted Acacia to come on the trip? And Nicholas said, no, um, you know, this meeting was arranged long ago. Um, you know, and besides, you, we weren't planning for you to leave Paris. This was very last minute that we got you out of Paris for your safety. So while Acacia was not trained in espionage, um, she was in Le Clef d'Or, um, which was the motto being serviced through friendship. And as a concierge, she has a lot of knowledge on service and had a lot of background in many fields. And he said, for one evening, just show friendship to another woman who spoke the same language. And Acacia reminded him that she was not interested in becoming his mistress. And he said, duly noted. You know, it's almost like, I don't want to be near you. I don't want you. I, you know, don't. it's deny, deny, deny. Yeah, exactly. um, and I, thou doth protest too much, I think, mm -hmm. in Acacia's case. Mm -hmm. So Nicholas was not extending the invitation either. Um, and she noted that. She, but he said he admired the way she tangled. And Acacia said, she is Brazilian and we're all like this. And he made the comment that he thought Brazil was an incredible country. <laughs> and she ignored the compliment and just went straight to business and said, what time are they leaving? And he said, an hour and a half. And would that be enough time? And she asked what she should wear. And he said, a summer dress, because he's wearing dress pants and a shirt with no jacket or tie. Um, it's going to be, you know, a fairly casual event so summer dress would be appropriate and she reminded him that this was a trial period and if he put her in a situation like that again she would be forced to resign and she saw the look in his face and it was conflicted she had expected anger but saw something different and so you know through this this is actually another thing area that we asked a question to SR about and you know the question was when she had you know just revealed this and you know his his lips pressed together as if he were angry but his eyes did something else and we asked him to explain what, you know, Nicholas was thinking. And he said, for Nicholas's reaction, clearly he is conflicted. He's reacting to what she's saying, and he isn't happy about it. So, obviously, Nicholas doesn't want to be putting Acacia out. And so, Nicholas did admit that when he found out that she spoke Arabic, that she thought that he thought Acacia could discover more about the mistress and more information and he moved closer released her arm and apologized and he emphasized that he was very grateful for her assistance and she also said she was grateful for his help as well she went to the room and closed the door ah ending the chapter i know oh i love it Susie, Susie, yes, Susie, she's talking about the American baseball players, and yes, the cutie patootie, Chris Bryant on the, Chicago, the Chicago Cubs. Cubs. Yes. 
26. She, I've just been trying to think of that cute baseball player, and it just came to me. Chris Bryant. Can't remember who he plays for Chicago Cubs. Yes. I didn't even need to Google that one, Lori. I know he's, Chris Bryant. He's and got Rizzo. an average of .287. He has had 106 home runs. And his <laughs> RBIs are three twenty three. I love it. No, he's he's quite good. And his teammate, um, Rizzo, I'm forgetting his first name. You know, I always want to say Frank Rizzo, but it's not Frank. God forbid. <laughs> I always refer to him as Rizzo, but he's a really great baseball player. They're, they're very fun to watch together. They're a great team, great teammates. And Chicago Cubs are fun. That's, fun. that's another fun, fun team to watch. So you weren't interrupting, Susie. We were at the end of the chapter, so it's perfect timing. I'm just laughing. I cannot wait to tell my husband, who's a huge baseball fan, that my friend in Adelaide, Australia, knew who Chris Bryant was because he always (laughs) laughs at me because I always say, oh, that Chris Bryant is so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. My husband used to tease me all the time because I remember when my friend Suzanne and I had gone to a game and we were walking back to our car and the we walked around the side of Yankee Stadium where the players would come out or the press would come out and all of a sudden this guy comes running out and he's got, still got the uniform on and it was, he had the now it's a night game. He had the things that keep the glare, the black under his eyes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're like, oh, it's Bucky Dent. Or oh, as, my as gosh. The Red Sox call him Bucky fucking Dent. <laughs> and I, I, we're like, and he's like racing out. We don't know what oh, my about. gosh. And my husband always laughed at me. You fucking turkey. Turkey den. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I'm so glad. I Honestly, Lori and Susie, I'm so glad you both were able to join us tonight for the podcast. Um, This has been so much fun. And these chapters are some of my favorites in the book. So They are are great chapters. And Pam... Your your stories, I, I've heard some of them before, but there were a couple new ones uh, to add to your your list for your uh, for your book. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, help me! I know, I know. So, anyway, so th- yes, it has been fun, Lori. It's been fun. Thank you, thank you both for joining us and. Uh, as a reminder, we will not be podcasting on Wednesday, the 26th of September, but we will be back the following week. October 3rd. October 3rd, my husband's birthday. Oh, really? Yes. 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 October's a good month for birthdays. It is indeed. It my, is. My husband and KK shared the same Oh, oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And uh, it's also my sister's 36th wedding anniversary. 
Oh my gosh, all on October 3rd. Yeah. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Oh, we might have to do something for KK. Yes, we will. Mm. And Susie, no worries, friend. She's apologizing for being late. Don't. She had a late start to her day as she woke up with a headache, but it's all cleared now. Hopefully the laughter helped uh, helped you feel better. Yes, it is. It is. I know it's early. Actually, right? It's early in the morning mm -hmm. in Australia at this time. I forget. It's in Adelaide. What time is it there, Susie? Well, I know it's close to 11 o'clock in, in Perth. So it's probably close to 1231. Okay. Okay, so it's 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 a little more midday now. So, well, enjoy the rest of your day, Susie. Yes, and, and, and Lori, have a good evening. And enjoy the rest of your weekend. So, yes. as Walter is um, obviously begging for food, <laughs> as only Walter can do. My boo-boo is your good boy. Uh, I'm going to leave you with some Agua de Berber. That's Astrid Gilberto and Antonio Carlos Zobin. Mm, so Lovely. Lovely. So enjoy everyone, and we'll catch you on the on the next side. Oh, now we got Fever by Peggy Lee. Never know how much I love you. Never know how much I care. When you put your arms around me, I get a fever that's so hard to bear. You give me fever. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight Fever in the morning A fever all through the night Sun lights up the daytime Moon lights up the night I light up when you call my name And you know I'm gonna treat you right You give me fever when you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight, fever in the morning.